Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Good Nick. morning, Joe. <laughs> so we're recording today's episode in the morning of Friday, the 11th of December. Um, for our last episode of the year, we seem to have found quite a bumper crop of things to discuss. Um, our old friend Brexit is dominating the news this week. Um, at the time of recording, it looks like talks are going on till Sunday, but there's quite a gloomy mood about progress. Um, I suggest that you probably need to listen to a different podcast if you want to go into all the ins and outs of, of this. Nick and I just probably look at the um, OBR forecast and what they said about no deal Brexit, just to, to, as a reminder for what that might mean. We've got the October GDP figures, which were released yesterday. Um, and we've also got the ONS study into the impact of coronavirus on the economy, which also came out yesterday, which is worth having a look at. Um, a few other bits and pieces we wanted to pick up on. Um, there's been quite a lot in the news about ports and disruption at, at ports this week, both Brexit related and coronavirus related. So there's some interesting bits to, um, to talk about there. And I'll say this now just because we might not have a chance to look at it in detail, but it has been um, announced that there will be an extension of those business protection um, measures, which we've we've been kind of hinting at for a while, the winding up petitions, um, landlord rights and, and wrongful trading that was already extended. So if we get a chance to talk about that in more detail, we will, but there's a, a headline for you. So Nick, where should we start? I think it's GDP. Should we, should we dive in? I think it's GDP. At? I think it's GDP. Mm. Um, amazingly, um, we found the economists um, uh, community um, being positive about an increase of only 0.4% because they actually thought it would be worse. It's astonishing, um, isn't it? When I heard that figure, I was thinking, well, this means that, you know, looking at 2020 for a whole, you know, are, are we going to be even worse? Mm. And I looked through the OBR forecast and they were actually expecting a minus 0.4% um I know. figure for, for October. A- so. Absolutely astonishing, the whole the whole thing. Um, anyway, we're, we, we sort of inched 0.4% better in mm. October. Um, because, of course, local lockdowns were beginning to bite, so not really so surprising. And that leaves the economy still 7.9% down from the position pre-pandemic. And if you look at a little bit at the detail, um, again, one of those really unusual moments for um, economic data, where one of the re- few redeeming features was that the biggest rise in GDP was in manufacturing. Yeah. Now, we're not normally saying no, that sort of no, stuff no. about the UK economy, but um, uh, I mean, without that, uh, and the other sector that made a positive contribution was human health and social work activities, which I think reflects the desperate efforts in um, the in not so much the NHS, but in private hospitals um, functioning as the NHS. Yeah, to try and get to through the backlog. Pull back some of the, um, the backlog of... Um, uh, of, uh, of of work of, of treatments. Mm. I think big, just worth saying because the, the thing I looked at because I couldn't I was I was struggling to remember the figures. Let's just remind ourselves. So the, in in August there was a two point one percent increase yep. in GDP that went down to one point one percent in September and now further again four percent. So it's really it's stalling this. Um, yes, and, and, recovery, and of course the the um, the amazing thing is that uh, with, you know, everybody's still saying eleven percent down for the year as a whole. So obviously November will be tragic. Yeah. Um, 
and and you and I both have some doubts about whether what is being predicted for December is likely to happen. But we will we will see. Um, interesting. On the one hand, you know the retail. We see, we've all seen the pictures, haven't we, of, of mm. shoppers crowding out to retail. We know there's a lot of activity online. I suppose it's really the hospitality. Um, yes. trade that's starting there's a little bit in London but we're we're already saying that London is is likely to go into tier three isn't it on the 16th of, of December or so, soon after yeah so there are big and, sectors that are going to struggle and, and and of course what you've got to remember is you know perennially and this will be no different this year um December is a tragedy in in output terms for many sectors because of the holiday period yes um, construction yeah. almost comes to a halt because um, you know, huge chunks of the workforce go home. Mm. Only, only they may not be going home this Christmas, of course. The foreign workers. And if they do, they may not come back, which is an issue for next year. Um, the CBI, by the way, confirmed their forecast for 2020 of a uh, an overall down uh, downward uh, figure for the year of 11.1%, which is in line with the OBR of the Bank of England. Yeah. Um, interestingly, if we end up down 11.1%, that will be um, pretty much double uh, the position for the Eurozone, which is predicting 6.6% drop. Uh, it'll be three times the US drop of 3.5%. It'll be twice Japan's. It'll be three times the global GDP um, adjustment for the year. And of course, um, the outlier is China, which looks like being 2% up on the year, if you believe anything by way of economic stats Indeed. that come out of there. So um, that's what we've got for the for GDP. Um, at the same time, we got the Office of National Statistics um, latest economic indicators, um, which cover the uh, a period in lockdown, covers the 16th to the 29th of November. And, and right. it is... Um, a statistician's wet dream, 98 pages of glorious figures which tell you anything that you need to know. No doubt will be interpreted in any way. Well, they're quite, yeah. But trying easy. to pick something out of this, um, it's interesting. Um, footfall in high streets and town centres, um, slightly up um, from two weeks earlier, but 38% down from a year before. Right. Mm-hmm. Um Open table seated diners, for those that book their restaurants through open table, uh, down 22% on the same time in 2019. And online job adverts down 26% on the same period in 2019. But the thing that caught my eye um, was they break down the... Now, now what you have to remember, and Joe pointed this out to me, is that this is a sample, uh, a survey where only 22% of the people surveyed responded. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you from my market research um, uh, history uh, way back that actually that's perfectly acceptable, but it's still, you know, nonetheless, it's not a huge response, but yeah. it'll work in statistical terms. I think my, my concern on that was just the reason for understanding why they didn't respond. So, for example, if these surveys and my experience of receiving ONS business surveys is that it comes from your registered office address. Well, for all those of us who are working from home and maybe not picking up our, our post as often as we would um, normally do, you know, there, there are lots of reasons, I suppose, where maybe this this time that could be kind of interesting why people aren't. Anyway, I mean, I, but, think, yeah. I think ONS, I mean, I have all sorts of issues with ONS data, but let's set that to one side. They, they believe this is statistically yeah. relevant. And, and the interesting thing is they broke down the number of businesses trading between those that 
were trade, sorry, the number of businesses between those trading, those that had paused trading, and those that had stopped trading for good. Now, let's look at that last category first, the ones that had ceased trading and closed down. Um, that in uh, in two weeks has doubled wow. from 2% of UK businesses to four. Wow. Now, that may not sound like a big number, but it's a heck of a shift in two yeah, weeks. Isn't it? Heck of a shift. Um, 19% of the companies had paused trading. Mm-hmm. They had 38% of their staff on furlough. A third of that 19%, i.e. about 6% of all UK companies, have no or only low confidence that they will survive another three months. Goodness. I know. Um, And then even for the 77% of businesses that are trading or were trading in the back end of November, they had 14% of their staff on furlough and 8% of them, again, had no confidence that they would survive another three months. And I do the maths on that and I work out that we're talking about a potential further 10% of UK businesses closing. So we'll see. Mm. People, people are often, when surveyed, for these for these sorts of purposes, um, fairly negative. I mean, they're Quite probably annoying, depressed yeah. about having to fill in the form apart from everything else. Um, so I, I found that um, um, interesting. I also noticed that company voluntary dissolutions, that's businesses, companies closing down and just... Asking to be dissolved at company's house, that's up twenty percent from pre-pandemic levels. Yeah, and that is that. That seems high, doesn't it? That, but that's, you know, again, I suppose in this in this context of of businesses looking and seeing what the future holds, yeah. and you know, with all the optimism, and, and let's hold on to that 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 you know things may change for us in in spring, but there's still yeah. a long way to get to go from now until until there, and this is on the back of already really difficult periods for for businesses um and so i guess maybe it's not surprising that i mean you said that there was a possibly other explanation which is corporate tidy ups for example we don't there's not enough detail in the data to know but it couldn't possibly account for a 20 percent increase in voluntary dissolutions it simply couldn't on that um so that's the ons um ah brexit 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 i mean what do we so I, I suppose it's it's very difficult, and we we'd hoped um, that by the time we recorded today, we might have had something more like, concrete to um, to say. Mm. But still, the uncertainty goes on, which, as we know, is is a killer for any kind of investment or planning uh, and so on. So, what we thought we would do is just look at back to that OBR forecast from the twenty fifth of November, and they're the first um, official outfit that's actually put any numbers really on this at this point i mean there, there have been some some studies in previous years but i think not at the kind of business end of yeah. the of the site so bank of england is still um is still the official line is that we'll get a, a free trade agreement so um i think the headline is what is two percent hit to um 2021 no no in, no 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 permanently Permanent, sorry, in 2021, and then I'll be honest, I think it's 1.5% over the forecast period, isn't it, or something, That's right. 2025. That's so, right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's not a one-off, agreed. Um, and, and the interesting thing that they say is that, um, and we've talked about this before, it's, an, it's not the same, the, se- the sectors that are likely to be infected are actually not the same sectors that have been affected by um, coronavirus. And I'll read from the, from the report. It says, a no-deal Brexit is likely to impinge on different sectors of the UK economy to those that have been hardest hit as a result of the pandemic. Firms in the manufacturing, financial services, 
and mining and quarrying sectors have been spared the worst economic consequences of the pandemic because of their ability to operate with social distancing rules. However, it's these latter trade intensive sectors that are most exposed to the loss of unfettered access to the EU market. And the worst hit of all, they don't mention in that summary, yeah, is agriculture. Agriculture. Is agriculture. Mm. Double, double the impact, um, well, no, two and a half times the impact mm-hmm. um, of any other sector. Yeah. from Brexit. Unsurprisingly. Unsurprising indeed. So um, empl- unemployment, again, that has a that has an impact, uh, a Brexit impact, according to the um, OBR. So under the, the WTO scenario, the no deal scenario, unemployment peaks at 8.3% in the third quarter of... Which is, um, an, which is an extra 280,000 jobs lost. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, Increased government borrowing up uh, 10, 10 billion a year. Mm-hmm. And consumer prices up one point five percent. Whoopee! How wonderful! Yeah, I mean, so it's it, it, we just hope that there is um, there is some last minute sense that comes to to bear, and, and we don't have to to be dealing with these um, pretty hideous economic um, economic fallout. So that's the that's the the situation in terms of, of no deal Brexit and the the impact from yeah, and of course that, that that feeds through into. Um, every news bulletin producer's dream, which is the stacks of containers at Felixstowe and the chaos in the ports. And, and I, I sort of had three points on, on, on this, um, uh, and, and I've broken them down into short COVID, long COVID, to use a, use a, uh, a medical term, and Brexit. Mm-hmm. And uh, short COVID is that the ports are having problems uh, with staffing because of um, the uh, people isolating or people ill. And in terms of long COVID, this is, um, I said to you earlier, Joe, and I'm maybe being a bit folksy here, but this is a supply chain disruption feedback loop. You have to explain this. It took me a while to get this. (laughs) I know, I know. The point is that and uh, you will remember me doing a what turned out to be a spectacularly inappropriate talk to that um, uh, supply chain conference about two weeks before we yep. locked down. <laughs> when I was when I was banging on endlessly about oh well if you've got suppliers in chi- in China and blah 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 and without thinking through the risk of what would happen if this ended up as a pandemic rather than the Chinese problem. Mm-hmm. But what we've now got, the biggest single problem in the ports is that all the damn containers are in the wrong place. Mm. So containers that should be in, in, in Asia to bring goods back to Europe and America are not in Asia. And so there is a, there is a major problem. So what you have got is the original COVID supply chain disruption is now disrupting supply chains all over again and it's going round and round and round in circles yeah. and, and and it's interesting at the risk of of, of sending everybody to sleep we've got a, a fascinating quote from the director general of BIFA the British International Freight Association um, which he sent out I think to Draper's magazine as it as okay. it happens mm-hmm. and basically he he sums it up quite nicely but slightly long it's slightly long so bear with me Freight forwarders and the importers and exporters, traders and manufacturers whose supply chains they manage, continue to face a perfect storm where multiple factors, 
including operational failures by ports and shipping lines, the almost impossibility of forecasting the massive demand swings during the pandemic, equipment shortages are now pushing maritime supply chains to breaking point, and there is little clarity on when the situation will improve. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of it because it bangs on for two more paragraphs, mm. but the big point that comes out of that is not just the disruption, but what it's doing to costs, because Indeed. it has pushed shipping yeah. costs and therefore overall transport and freight costs through the roof. And that is at a time when um, businesses you know, will no doubt be expected to swallow those increases. Yeah. And they probably aren't in a position to afford to do so. So I think the cost increase is the biggest. And also, I mean, I think the other the other really um, interesting point is that, you know, in, in other circumstances, you might may have a, an alternative to use air freight, for example. And, you know, we know that there's quite a lot of spare capacity on passenger um, airlines that gets used to, to transport goods. But, you know, there aren't passenger airlines going anywhere. So there's not the, the same kind of spare capacity in the air freight um, side of things. So this is increasing even more the um the pressure on the on the ports. And I think as well it's it's interesting to to think about the container ports because we we obviously hear a lot about the roll on, roll off Dover, mm. Calais um crossing disruption, you know, personally interested in the disruption in Kent living um where I do. Um but actually the and that, that's obviously a Brexit, you know, France, UK EU trade. But these are um, you know, we're we're talking about relying on the non- EU trade to, to see us through, but actually we've got gridlock for, for goods coming ports. into the country at the ports. So at ports and, and somebody somebody was saying on Twitter this morning that um, never mind Felixstowe, which is undoubtedly the, the sort of poster child for for this problem, but apparently Southampton is as bad. Yeah. So it is not it's not just and one even port. London Gateway. Even you know, I, I went to to visit London Gateway last year. I was super impressed by the you know how, how the infrastructure that they've got there. It's brand new and, and they they built mm. a state of the art um, place. But even there, you know, I'm I'm hearing that actually there is more that's put, being put under pressure. And yeah. you know, inevitably there is that that contagion, that knock on effect as as boats try and find other places. Um, and and on an entirely selfish note, I, I I saw again on Twitter this morning. Um, that um, there was a wine importer complaining bitterly that um, he, he was um, uh, almost empty uh, in his in his warehouse and all of his wine was sitting across the channel and he couldn't he couldn't get it over. So he's going to miss the Christmas um, mm. spirit. So I've get... lots of um, of smaller suppliers as well who thought they'd ordered in plenty of time to fulfil Christmas orders and now aren't being able to yeah, exactly. um, to fulfil those orders. Anyway, and again, you I suppose that is interesting because it, it kind of p- picks back into our point about retail and and, and buying for Christmas. Yeah. It will have a knock-on impact if you, if people actually can't buy the goods that they want to buy for for Christmas because of these these disruptions at, at the port. So, oh, and yeah. heaven, heaven forfend it! Um, it might actually make some impact on the uh, juggernaut, otherwise known as Amazon. Well, indeed, and that indeed. would be a terrible shame, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Indeed, Ter- terrible shame. Um, and the last point on that is that um, what Biffa is saying. Uh, is that uh, this problem will last right through December, certainly as long as the Chinese New Year, mm. and probably longer. So this is not a. This is another thing that is not a one-off. Yeah. This is disruption on an ongoing basis. 
And I think we will, and we will start to feel that, you know, I'm sure lots of our listeners who are, I think in, in Drapers, they were particularly looking at some of the um, footwear and, and clothing mm. supply chains that are obviously um, disrupted. But, you know, so obviously from business side and also consumers will start start feeling the um, the impact of yes, this and higher prices and, and, um, and not lack of availability of goods. Um, Nick, I'm, I'm conscious that we have we have probably we have. tried the, the patience of our of our listeners um, to the limit. I will just point out, and I, Nick didn't even know this, but for those of you who do listen to us regularly, we are actually available on the Apple Podcast app, I think the Google Podcast app and Spotify. So if you would like to subscribe to us, then um, we would be very pleased to um, <laughs> to pop into your, your podcast playlist um, on a regular basis. This is the last podcast of the year, but we will be back in January. I suppose I say that with a degree of nervousness. Um, the experience that I got of a newsletter I received from my children's primary school two weeks ago is a bit raw still. We had a congratulatory note to everybody for having avoided any COVID cases um, and, you know, looking at end of term activities. By the following Thursday, the whole school had been closed because too many teachers were isolating with COVID and four out of seven classes had, had been shut. Um, so I think that's a lesson in trying to plan anything these days is, you know, one day at a time, more or less. So we're planning this to be the last one until January. But, you know, we may we may well pop up again if, if anything of note, of note comes up. So thank you again, Nick, for your sharp analysis. Um, it's a pleasure. And, um, and thanks to everybody for listening. Until the new year, goodbye. And a very Merry Christmas to everybody. Indeed. Indeed.